Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. What's going on, guys? Joe McCall, Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast and the Joe McCall YouTube channel. How you doing, guys? Excited about this episode, huh? Listen, my favorite topic lately has been land investing. Uh, we, I've been interviewing a lot of people talking about land investing, how they run their business. I've been doing land for about three, four years now. And just in the last few weeks, I've really been ramping it up again. Uh, my teenage sons, if you've heard me talk about this before, my teenage sons um, in the last couple, three years, doing it very, very part-time, have done over 150 grand in profits gross profits from these deals. And uh, we're starting to now sell our vacant land on notes with owner financing. And so I put out a post a couple weeks ago saying, hey, I'm looking for some cool people that do land and would like to talk about it. And so um, we got some people on today that I just met and you're going to meet them for the first time. I do know they live in Colorado, the beautiful, awesome state of Colorado. And I'm just by coincidence wearing my Colorado hat that I bought a couple weeks ago when I was in Vail. So we're going to introduce you to you guys here soon, a real cool couple that lives like way up in the mountains. Like I'm really jealous, 10,000 feet. They probably got incredible views out their windows, but we're going to talk about how they do land and how they take some of their profits and reinvest it into bigger properties that produce longer term cash flow. All right. So we'll talk about that in a second. I want to tell you, first of all, a couple of things here. A lot of you are watching this live right now on YouTube and Facebook. So I want to ask you to please tell us where you're from and type any questions in the chat and in the comments. When you can type in chats or you know questions and comments or tell us where you are, just say hi. We can show it on the screen, which is pretty cool. So if you have any questions about what we're doing, type it in. Just say hi. We'd love to hear from you and see how you're doing. And um, yeah, that's about all I want to say. Is there anything else? Oh yeah, one thing real quick. <laughs> Got to tell you about this. I just found a way yesterday, I think, I'm testing it out. Big fan of PropStream, right? Um, I just found out a way where you can pull a list of vacant land that has delinquent taxes in PropStream. And I was showing this to another guy who's a big land investor and he was blown away. He's like, oh my gosh, I did not know you could do that. So here's the deal. If you go to PropStreamJoe.com, sign up for PropStream. You get a 14-day trial, I think, for seven or 14-day trial or something like that. Um, and then shoot me an email. I will send you a video on how to do it. But go to propstreamjoe.com, sign up for PropStream. It's an amazing resource. It's an amazing tool. A lot of controversy lately about it, like they lost MLS access and all that. I don't think it's that important. I don't think I didn't think they had good MLS data to begin with, right? I didn't like MLS data on PropStream, but you can get great vacant land lists from them. And now you can also filter in vacant land that has delinquent taxes, which is, if you know anything about land, it's been a hard thing to get in the past. Now it's much easier to do that. All right. So go to propstreamjoe.com. This podcast and this YouTube video is brought to you by propstreamjoe.com. Go check that out. Oh, good. We got some comments. Look at this here. We got Edmund from Dania, Florida. Thomasina. Hi, how you doing? And uh, oh, here we go. The Silent Seawolf Mac from South Colorado. That's cool. And I can't pronounce Abdullah. Hey, man, how you doing from Abdul, Texas? Really? That's cool. <laughs> All right. Cool. Should we bring on Mike and Legia? Oh, I messed it up. I knew it. Deaton, <laughs> how are you guys? Great, Hi. man. Legia. How do you say it again? <laughs> Just let it roll off the tongue. Legia. Legia. Oh, thank you. Sorry about that. <laughs> no worries. No Happens problem. all the time. Yeah. All right. Mike and Legia, how are you guys? Man, we're doing great. 
like you mentioned, we're up here in the mountains of Colorado. We have funded our lifestyle with land investing. So it's a topic near and dear to our heart. We love it. It's it's allowed us to kind of reinvent our lives here Hmm. for the last five years or so. So So have you been in Colorado five years? Almost five years. Yeah. So we, 2016, we both got ejected from the corporate world for various reasons. And we took that opportunity to just chart a new course and uh, land investing was fundamental to that. So we, uh, we kind of got introduced to it and we thought it was crazy and um, we stuck with it over the last, you know, five years and it's, it's afforded us just a tremendous lifestyle. So couldn't ask for, couldn't ask for better. All right. So that was what, six years ago now, right? Yeah, coming up on six years. It was summer of 2016, so we're we're coming Super up. Super cool. That's about when I got interested in it, but I've never taken it full time serious. Always been part part time, dabbling into it. Uh, but I'm getting ready personally for myself to hire now somebody full time to do my acquisitions. Nice and excited about it. You know, I've got I've had VAs that have helped me over the years do it, but it's one thing to have a VA kind of help with the data admin stuff, but to get someone full time dedicated, U.S. based, I'm taking that big big leap. I'm excited about it. It is. Yeah, that's something to be excited for. That's a great milestone. Cool. Okay, guys, talk about how'd you find out about land? Well, so podcasting, really. You know, I kind of in those early days of 2016, we revisited Robert Kiyosaki and we were looking at what type of cash flowing businesses could we get into more as a side hustle. And in fact, I was listening to a podcast called The Side Hustle Nation or The Side Hustle Show, and it's all about side hustles. And I heard two separate podcasts about guys that were doing land investing and, you know, doing well at it. Yeah. And it had a, you know, they mentioned, I I believe they both mentioned that they had gone through the land geek, uh, Mark Podolsky. And so I signed up for his, he had a toolkit that you could buy at the time, just uh, kind of an intro to land investing. And at the time I was a full-time employee, Ledger was full-time. We did nothing with that, right? It just went on the, went on the desk and started collecting dust. And then, you know, when we found ourselves out of work and looking for an alternative, uh, it was right there. And so we just decided to to go all in and give it a set amount of time and see if we could make it work. Uh, what were a, you doing before, if you don't mind me full asking? Time. So my career has really been in big tech. Right out of college, I, I started working with Motorola in electronics manufacturing. I transitioned into Nokia when Nokia was like king of the mobile phone world. Yeah, I remember and that. then that's actually how Lydia and I met. I took a job overseas to start a factory in Romania, which is where Ligia is from. And uh, she was she was also working for Nokia in a different division there. And yeah, we met and fell in love and uh, moved back. And then Microsoft bought the handset division of Nokia. So I was in Microsoft for about five years running supply chain. And, you know, it was just a grind. It was travel uh, almost every week. It was uh, 80 hour weeks. You're always on call. You know, what have you done for me lately? Kind of a thing. And and so when. You know, when an opportunity came to leave with even, you know, a little bit of a, of a package, I jumped on it. And then I was uh, in that moment thinking about going back into the corporate world into, you know, I had opportunities with Amazon, with Apple, with Tesla, and uh, my stomach just, yeah, well, you know, my heart wasn't in it. I My stomach was, you know, uh, not really. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So we jumped into land and that that's kind of my backstory. I don't know you. After I moved here to U.S., um, I worked. I started working for a healthcare company in recruiting department, 
And I think six months before Mike was got the opportunity to, to to get out, my the office closed in in Plano, Texas, and they moved it to Arkansas. So I also found my, my myself without a job. And uh, I think we both revisited a little bit our why and what we wanted to do and decided that we will not go back to corporate America for a while and just try something else. Yeah. You know, what's interesting is I, I've met so many people who kind of like land investing, who do it, come from a technical engineering background. Have you found that to be true yourself as well? Because something about land investing is definitely more systematic, more it, it, it technical. You can rely on software to help you do things. You know what I'm saying? Is that, have you found that to be true? Yeah, I have encountered a lot of people from IT, uh, uh-huh. software backgrounds, different things. It, it is, you know, it, I think for it to run well, like almost any business, if you have a good laid out process and rely on some some good tools to help yeah. uh, leverage, then it's so much easier to scale up. Yeah. Okay, nice. So I, I can imagine both of you doing well, well in business. You had a pretty good corporate salary that you needed to replace. Am I right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. You don't have to tell us how much, but I'm, you know, was that, how, was that hanging in the back of your head? Like, oh my, how are we going to replace our income and our, and our standard of yeah. living doing real estate? And, you know, what was going on then? Yeah. So like Lydia mentioned, we, we both started looking for jobs and just that process is grueling. And the thought of either having to relocate somewhere or start a new company culture or, uh, just you know the unknown of jumping into a different company and the and the, and the associated work that goes along with it was just you know it wasn't sitting well and so yeah. we took that moment to really like Lydia said think about our why and what do we want out of life and you know what do we really need like we had a nice home in Plano with a pool and two cars and all that stuff and we sold it like we just said let's sell and we had some money in the bank um retirement accounts and we moved to Colorado which wasn't a cheap move sure. but we downsized you know i mean we we rented for a few years until we could see if we could get our feet underneath us enough to to make it go so you know right. part of part of that was really just reassessing what do we need out of life i have two daughters from uh, a previous marriage that are adults now, and they were entering college at the time. And so, you know, I had a nest egg set aside to make sure that they could do what they wanted to do. And that partnership between us and the realization that we could survive on a lot less and be happier, by the way, and the fact that, you know, we were free to fail. We just kind of gave ourselves permission to go in and what's the worst that could happen? It didn't work and we have to get jobs. I mean, we were going to get jobs anyway. So, yeah. you know, it really wasn't the end of the world and it it had the allure of, um you know, a, a great lifestyle. And so we actually like each other pretty much. That's good. Yeah, so, Most of the time. So we, we work well together. We have a good uh, way of working. So doing business with each other as partners, you know, that worked out as well nicely. Right. So, yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, but we also kind of gave ourselves a, a certain amount of time. We said, let's give this a year and see, you know, if it worked, we, we got mentors and coaches and, you know, listen to resources like you're doing here, people that are giving tips and insights and, you know, it's land investing is amazing because your cost to enter is pretty low, right? I mean, you're buying properties that aren't necessarily, I mean, okay, maybe there's a few thousand dollars. We've bought properties that are 
tens of thousands of dollars, but those are exceptions. And so, you know, the risk is pretty low and you can enter the market. I mean, you can buy properties for hundreds of dollars. Uh, We've had properties given to us for free. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity in land, but it does take, well, I'm not going to say that. It took us money to make the money because we were we were using our own money. Now there are other ways to do it, right? You can you can arbitrage, you can get loans. I mean, the if you take a loan out for single digits, you're making double or triple digits on land. Yeah. So I mean, yeah. the spread there is good. There are other ways to do it. We chose to use our own capital and go into it. And so it wasn't, you know, it, it took money for us to make money, and we had that runway, thankfully, to be able to do that. But there's other yeah. ways to do it. Totally. Yeah. Okay. So what did you guys? What kind of strategy did you try to cling to or did you follow? Was it wholesaling, just flipping for fast cash, or were you trying to sell on notes to collect the cash flow? We started out, we didn't really have, so our our strategy was probably 90% notes and you know whatever cash sales came in. We weren't marketing as cash sales. We were marketing as, as either in the okay. early days. Yeah. And our we put together a business plan and we said, we need to make $10,000 a month, whatever, right? And so to do that, we kind of backwards engineered, uh, what does that take? How many pieces of land would that be? How many mailers do we need to send out in order to get those properties? Yeah. And you know, our, our, when we were going through some coaching, there was a rough math in that you know, the market is going to really determine largely if somebody wants to pay cash or if they want to go on a note. And so we just used roughly that, you know, 90-10 split that we were probably going to get a few cash sales to fund those things. And so that that was our starting out strategy. And um, we largely kind of follow the same path. We have considered in the last year starting a separate wholesaling business where we're maybe buying and and wholesaling just to get cash infusions. Um, But we haven't really enacted on that yet. We're still kind of just end to end running the process. We, we, we rerun the full supply chain, if you will. Right. So we're, we're approaching owners, buying the properties and then marketing and selling them. And, um, and we're managing our own notes if it's a note. And if somebody wants to pay cash, great. Now, what, how long did it take you? approximately, to reach a point where you were replacing your corporate income? Well, um, you know, I would say only in recent years have we really replaced what we were making. Like I mentioned, we downsized and we needed less to live. I mean, we needed less to live. I mean, our corporate salary, we, we weren't spending everything. We weren't paycheck to paycheck. So there was, you know, money going into savings and investments and things like that. But within that first year, I would say we, our target was to get to black and not be taking out of savings. And so, you know, that was our first hurdle. And then it was, okay, now let's really ratchet this up and reinvest into the, into the business in just like you're doing, right? You hire um, some VAs or a support person or invest in better tools and and things like that. And that's, you know, that's when you really start to see the lift is when you can start to put money back into your business, you know, in that way. All right. So talk about the first year that you did this, you know, how many deals were you averaging a year, a month? And then did you, were you able to get out, get into the black within that first year? Yeah, by the end of the first year, for sure, we got into the black. Our process, uh, we struggled. You know, we we started and um, we we were living in Plano when we started. And so we thought, okay, well, let's invest close to home. And so we started mailing in counties around northeastern Texas. 
And, you know, we had some misses. We got into some markets where there were uh, HOAs and or LOAs and they were, you know, we got into one and we started getting a lot of response rates. So we were super excited. But then, you know, come to find out they have back taxes and they have back LOAs. And so, you know, by the time you bailed people out of that, you were kind of upside down. And so you're talking about homeowners association dues. Yeah. Places that had, you know, we advertise we'd buy your property, pay some taxes within reason. But, you know, these people had just mountains of, uh, of stuff. And so, you know, we found some, we, we tried some counties and we had some bad luck. And then we went into West Texas. And then, you know, it took us a while to find a market that really clicked. And then, you know, that was about six months, I would say, you know, we, right. we ended up buying our first property quickly. We, we found, you know, some properties and we invested. But then, you know, for us to make that first sale, it just Gosh, it was it was a grind. I think back in those days, you know, Craigslist was kind of the the be all end all of of marketing, and we were not having any luck. And yeah. uh, you know, we we but we finally got that first sale, and you know, after that, just things really started clicking along. Uh, and I don't know what that is, but you know, for us, it came down to really being in the right county where we had a you know there was enough turnover that you could buy and sell properties um, fluidly. So instead of just trying to pick counties around where you lived, you started looking to see, well, where was the demand? Where were people buying? Exactly. Yeah. We started doing a little more research about, you know, where are properties being marketed? Where do they seem to be moving? And, you know, once, once that formula clicked, then, you know, the business started clicking. And now here's the thing too, because I'm, I'm, I've always struggled with HOA properties. I've sold them all, Mm -hmm. made money with them, properties that are in an HOA, right? But like, it's always been a struggle. I've heard some investors say if it's an HOA, he, they just ignore it. But then, what, 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 where do you guys stand on that? I don't mind them, honestly. Okay. I, I don't want to over leverage, right? Because you can you can really bleed out money if you're not selling them quickly. We we buy uh, properties in counties or subdivisions where there are homeowners associations. I, I don't have an issue with it. There, there's definitely um, polarity in the market, right? There are people that will not touch and i'm talking in terms of buyers right there are buyers that will they don't want anything to do with an hoa and then there's buyers that love them you know they they love uh especially we we do a lot of um our land business here in colorado and so uh, in some of these areas it's nice if somebody's actually going to plow your roads or maintain you know trash pickup ever so often or or do things like that and so there there's a there's a buying pool out there but yeah you definitely won't, don't want to get burdened with with too many so that you're just uh you know spending a lot of money in hoas but and if i may add i think uh, in the beginning we were reluctant to to buy in an hoa now being in this business for four years uh coming up to five we're more relaxed and we are we would be confident to to purchase properties in that hoa Yeah. yeah because we are more experienced and we talk to people and we know there's a buyer out there for sure for those mm-hmm. properties. But it can eat into your profit margin, you know, if you have to sit on something for too long. But Okay. Um, Just so people who, who don't know, when we're talking about buying vacant land, we're talking about buying vacant land for 25, 30 cents on the dollar and selling it. If we're selling it for cash, I, I usually try to sell it at 60, 75 cents on the dollar, sometimes more with the la- in the last year or two with this crazy market. But when we're selling it on owner financing, we typically try to push the limits. What's the property's worth? If it's worth fifty grand, I'll try to sell it for fifty grand on owner financing. So it's a great model. I love it because there's a lot less competition than houses, and I get a much cheaper cost per lead when it comes to the market mm-hmm. with with vacant land. So let me ask you guys: What are some of your favorite ways to find motivated sellers of vacant land? 
Well, you know, the easiest and most direct way is we just kind of mail into the tax base of a county. Um, I heard you talking a little bit about delinquent or, you know, delinquent lists and things like that. We, we, we have dabbled in that as well. We, we largely will just mail through a county or a subdivision within a county. But, you know, once you've done that, then, you know, it really helps to know that market a little more deeply. And, and so neighbors are great sources, you know, neighbor letters sending out to surrounding properties. You can usually start a conversation with people. We have a lot of referrals actually, you know, once you, once you get into it, then um, both on the buying and selling side, we have, since we started really put a lot of stock in running our business very professionally. And so we get that feedback from a lot of people that if somebody, if somebody responds to your offer, I can't tell you how many times we have people say, you know, I've, requested to sell my property to so many other people and they just don't respond or, you know, I haven't heard anything. And um, same on the, on the, on the sales side, when we have clients reach out to us, we try to be very, we, we try to respond very promptly, professionally. We, we work with people, you know, if, if they have a tricky uh, land situation, they've got multiple people on a deed or somebody passed away and somebody doesn't know how to, how to, uh, figure out with the county to to get things you know we'll we'll try to provide that level of service as some value add that we can do to to get things so yeah. you know a lot of a lot of times we find um great motivated sellers in that way they're they're looking for a way to to get some money out of their property but they don't know how to do something and you know short of providing legal advice or something we'll we'll reach out and do their legwork. We'll call the county, we'll figure out what needs to be done um uh, within limits of course but uh it's certainly um it, it helps pull those motivated sellers. Right. And another way is to reach out to, to owners that have multiple properties in a county. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we find that they are very motivated to, to sell as well. Yeah. So you're doing a lot of direct mail. Is that your main source for leads? Yeah, that's yes. our consistent go-to. And what kind of letters or postcards do you like to send? You know, we send a full page letter. Um, we introduce ourselves a little bit. Uh, we make an offer in that letter and then we provide them a few ways to get back in touch with us and just, just kind of that way. So we, we like doing an actual offer and sending it out directly to people. We have a picture of us on the offer letter. So right. I think that we had a couple of feedbacks um, from potential sellers. They said, you know, it's, it just comes across more personal and we found that that works better. Nice. nice. I've been thinking about testing range offers lately. Have that is that something you've ever tried to do range? So I I might say instead of buying your property for this, I'll put a range in there. Have you ever tried that? We haven't done that, but that's an interesting concept. You know, we we usually put an offer in and then, you know, once we do a little due diligence, we'll come back and either negotiate, you know, down or or whatever based off of that. But um yeah, that's a that's an interesting it's an interesting idea. All right. So you're doing a lot of direct mail. About how much mail do you send a month? Oh gosh, it varies from, we, we have kind of been up and down. We, we, about 18 months ago, we started another business focused in on multifamily investing. And so like our, our, our attention span goes uh, back and forth. And this is where, this is where we don't have uh, robust enough systems in place to have the business run consistently without us. But, you know, anywhere from uh, a few hundred to a thousand. You know, we'll we'll send out if we if we start in a new county. A lot of times we try to hit it hard and and go in, but not so hard that like you want that feedback a lot of times, right? You send out some offers, and if you hear crickets from the marketplace, yeah. you want to be able to adjust. And so I don't necessarily want to go out and send all ten thousand letters, and then yeah. I've found out that I made a mistake and spent you know five thousand bucks in mailing costs or whatever. So we try to keep it as four four hundred five hundred mailers a month. Okay, that's not much at all. That's pretty easy. Yeah, no, it's not. 
Um, are there certain area, the areas of the country that you like to focus on? Well, yes, there are. I mean, so like I said, we we um, kind of started in the Texas markets, a lot of those counties. We found a lot of the land-rich counties, like meaning there's a lot of lands. Some of them were very, how to say, archaic in their processes, right? They don't have electronic systems. You had to mail in a deed. Uh, it just was really kind of made it tough to work in those markets. We love the mountains of Colorado. And so we love like pine trees, forested areas. I mean, that's what we gravitate towards. It's very easy for us to sell those properties because we're passionate about them. It's hard to sell West Texas dirt for us. You know, I mean, it's, uh, but there's a market, right? There's some people that love it. There's very, very little regulations. I'm going to do some things. So there's a market there, but mostly in the Southwest is where we focused Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, a lot in Colorado. But we've thought about the Southeast. We haven't really explored it too much. I've heard of people complaining about Colorado because it's so competitive. Is that what you see? It has gotten very yes. competitive. Yes. Yeah. We've, we've noticed our response rates go down and the prices go up. So it's, it's definitely getting competitive. I will say this, though. I'll take the competition for land in Colorado any day compared that to the comp- competition for houses. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I mean, what, what people are complaining about is getting maybe a 2% response rate in Colorado instead of a 0.2% <laughs> response rate. Yeah, that's so true. Yes. So, yeah, that's, that's incredible. All right. So how many vacant lots do you guys own right now that you have producing income for you? Oh, gosh. Um, we have close to 70, I think, okay. 120 mm-hmm. that are under notes right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 120. Yeah. Nice. All right. And then approximately, what are you guys making an, on monthly revenue on those notes? You can, if you want to be vague, go, go ahead. I'm always nervous about asking. No, I mean, our, our average note is 200, 250 bucks around there. So, I mean, we, we have a good 20, 25 K coming in from, um, from notes properties, uh, outside of any right. cash sales, uh, and things like that. So it's, um, that is amazing. Yeah. That, that is, that is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, it hasn't been overnight. Uh, we, we've just been very consistent and steady in our in our progress. And, you know, we're five years into this. And so um, as a result, something that's uh, very front and center on our radar, we are coming up to a lot of properties that will be going through uh, their cycle, right? So a lot of our contracts are going to end because most of ours are on like a five-year term. It's kind of okay. how we've, we've priced out a lot of our stuff. So we, we have an urgency to uh, get, get the replacement cycle going and kind of yeah. get back in, in uh, accelerating some well, stuff. I know one way you can do that. Send more than 500 postcards or letters <laughs> a month. Well, that's, yeah. yep. Right? It can be 500 yeah. a week. Yeah, for sure. And we have done that. We started out the year um, very heavy in our mailing right. and uh, we'll continue that till we, I mean, we're, we, we have some cash in the bank and we're ready to buy some properties. So all right. That's one thing I want to ask you about that is getting the cash to buy these deals and how you kind of navigated that. Um, but first, I wanted to ask you about your team. Do you have virtual assistants or anybody helping you? Or is it just you two? You know, it's mostly us. We definitely have, uh, we rely on a, on a team to help, but it's, it fluctuates a lot. And, and this is, um, this has been tricky. And, and I think uh, we've, we've done it several different ways. And so, you know, VAs are nice because you can pay um, transactional type pricing, but they're not in our experience, you know, one, it's hard to find a really good VA, but then it's hard to keep a really good VA. And so the replacement cycle is tough. We don't, you know, finding 
I love the fact that that your son is getting involved in the business. My daughters both we have tried, but they're just not uh, yeah. they're not really in it. So, um, yeah, we we go up and down. Um, we've also I know there's a few places uh, or, or a few times in our career where there's been people that have a specialty VA service where it's they have land geared VAs. Um, that's okay as well. That works. Um, but yeah, I mean, largely we're I mean. We love what we love what we do, um, and we have a little bit of time, and uh, so you know when we can, we we will do that. I like to um, craft the offer letter. I like to do research in counties and understand you know what's what's flowing yeah. and what's not. Um, there's more mundane aspects of the business that are kind of easy to to farm out, but there's also automation. You know, there's a lot of products out there that, that will help you uh, run your business so yeah. that you don't necessarily need a person to do certain things. But yeah, that's, you know, at the moment uh, we, we have just a couple of transactional people that, you know, we, we work uh, when we accelerate or, or need to do things. But when it comes to buying and selling, we usually reach out directly to people and, you know, I like to talk to them and yeah. All right. Let me ask you guys about the cash to close your deals. Because if somebody is trying to build a portfolio of notes, obviously it takes cash to buy these deals. And some people just don't have it. Uh, but what did you guys do to start buying? Were you just taking money from savings? Were you borrowing money from private lenders? Or what, what were you guys doing? Yeah, we, we started with our own. So we, we had some money and we, we created a business. We created our LLC and we funded it with you know, a nest egg of, uh, of money up front. And we just said, this is going to be our, our money to start the business. And then, you know, once we, and so we, back then, especially, even now, we still try to price out our, um, our uh, buying and selling such that we recoup our investment in less than a year. Yeah. Right. So a combination of down payments and monthly payments, you know, we, we ideally in nine or 10 months, we'll get our, our investment back. And so, yeah. you know, once you start building on that, then we started putting in a certain percentage of our profits back into the business um, to go specifically for land acquisition. Okay. So, right. We put the overhead in this business is really low or it can yeah. be, you know, so it's not like you're really spending a whole lot. A lot of the money that comes in is profit. So you're able to just uh, fund that back in. Nice. Um, but yeah, for us, it was, it was really about that. We have, we have recently, um, leveraged debt to, to purchase, um, properties, right? So, I mean, the terms, right. You can get a 3% interest loan or, you know, somewhere around there uh, in a lot of cases. And so if you're making <laughs> 20 to a thousand percent return on your investment, then you can cover the cost of, uh, of a pretty hefty loan. <clears throat> so uh, you're getting bank financing. Is that right? We have. Yeah. Yeah. We've gotten some bank financing here recently. So is that a more of a commercial business type of a loan then? Yeah, exactly. So you're not borrowing money on a particular piece of land. No, we haven't, um, used any collateral like that. It's just you know, but now that we're, we've been in business for five years or so, we can, um, we can get uh, funds against our business and our history. That's lately what we've done. It's, uh, we also, you know, I mean, we have a policy. We, I, I hate, uh, our, our, I understand the concept of leverage and I embrace the concept of leverage, but I just do not want to get over leveraged. So, yeah. you know, pe- there's a lot of people that I know and have heard of that have been wiped out by just, you know, hard oh, yeah. times coming. So, Totally know what you're talking about. I was yeah. there in myself in 2008. Oh, I hear it all the time. Oh, yeah. I never heard anybody say I went into foreclosure or um, bankruptcy who uh, was debt-free when the market crashed, right? 
Right. It just doesn't, you don't go into foreclosure and bankruptcy and uh, financial ruin when you have very little debt. It's true. I mean, and I, I totally believe that there's a balance there and it's, it's somewhat individual, but there is, I mean, leverage is a, is a great way to do exactly that, to leverage this, you know, debt to scale your business. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, and we're entering, um, I think a peak in the, in the re- in the re- real estate market, right? Mm-hmm. So it's we're due, we're overdue for the for the normal cycle, and um, there's a lot of money being injected in, be it in 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 the commercial or the residential space, and so it's a time to be, I wouldn't say scared, but it's definitely time to be cautious. And um, I haven't ever heard of anybody getting. Uh, going out of business in the land business, but certainly in the residential uh, side of things, people, a lot of people got hurt. Yeah. Okay. So have you ever used somebody to help fund your deals for you? There's a lot of different guys or companies out there that for vacant land investors specifically, who will lend money or partner on deals with students. Have you ever tried doing that? We haven't personally done it. I know some people that, that enter into partnerships in that way. I would be, I have, I guess, some curiosity about how that works, both from um, a legal perspective, as well as from like a securities exchange. You know, I, I think you would have to almost join into a JV or, or some kind of a partnership. Yeah. But um, yeah, I know, I know people that do it. It's a great way. I mean, you can, there's a lot of profits to be made in this business and you can certainly divide them up and, and still make a really good money, right? So you got somebody willing to put in sweat equity and somebody willing to put in equity, then it's a great match. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Can we talk about some of the tools you guys use. And I want to talk about how you uh, invest, reinvest some of this money into multifamilies and why you're doing that. Uh, sure. so what, are your, what are some of your favorite tools? Uh, gosh. Um, so we, we use uh, Podio a lot, really. It's very customizable and yeah. uh, interfaces with a lot of other, uh, you know, whether you like to use um, Microsoft Suite or Google or whatever. I mean, you can plug into all those. You can customize a lot of things. So we do a lot of our let's say, uh, our offer letters, as well as our uh, CRM or customer relationship management type, where we keep contacts and responses and different things. We, we're, we're able to um, uh, track our metrics. Um, and so I would say Podio is kind of our engine that we use for that. Um, we largely have used uh, a system called GeekPay for yeah. our note management, but we also use other, I mean, we, we try to diversify a little bit. I don't like to have all my notes in one basket, so to speak. Um, and so we, we spread that out a little bit just in case um, something happens. Um, I, I've heard of uh, people like Stripe or other, you know, they, they um, sometimes will shut people down just because they don't like the, uh, the owner financing model of, of real estate. Um, so th- those are probably two. I, I don't know. Can you think of... Uh, Oh, click to mail. Yeah, that's our we we mail through click to mail. Currently, we have for a long time. Um, Interesting. I, I, I've thought about. Uh, I know there are other competitors out there. I just haven't pulled the trigger on it. You know, some things are uh, just from a time and a, a cost to transition. Oh yeah, um, haven't really explored that too much. But uh, yeah, that's definitely our our mailer source. And also, Pipe Drive they helps us keep organized. I know there's another, there's follow-up boss. We haven't tried follow-up boss, but it works. Pipe drive just works for us very well. So yeah. what part of, what do you do in your business with pipe drive? Well, it's also some, some sales management, just, uh, you can set up a, a workflow for, for when, you know, somebody reaches out initially. Um, if, uh, 
you know, a lot of times if, if we don't have a piece of property available for them right then, then we can collect information about what are you looking for? What's your price point? When would you buy? Um, those kind of things. And so, you know, you can record um, on the sales side. We use a lot of uh, customer relationship management in that. Or- I'm surprised you don't use Podio for that. Why? Because this is something I've been, I, I've, I've wrestled with too. I love Podio. Yeah. I know a little bit about pipe drive, but you can do 99% of yeah. in pipe drive yeah. in Podio. It's right? just, yes, you can. It's just a question of setting it up and doing it. And we just haven't built out that side of our um, okay. workflow in, in Podio. So pipe drive is kind of a, I would say it's a little more user-friendly. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they do a lot of the uh, plug and play and, and all of that versus Podio's a bit more software focused where, you know, you kind of have yeah. to set things up, but just, we, we started that way and um, we kind of had the front end side of our business already in Podio. And then um, we just haven't pulled the uh, sales side in. And Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. If you had to pick between one or the other and only use one, <laughs> would you use Pipedrive or Podio? Well, I'll probably use Podio just Podio. because uh, it's. Oh, really? it, I think it's a lot more flexible, um, right? Pipedrive, I mean, you have to pay for certain levels of, of service and configurations and customizations. Um, and I would say the more complicated side of our business is already in Podio. Yeah. So okay. it would be a harder thing to reconfigure. What are you guys using for phones? Getting phone calls, sending, making phone calls? We have a, uh, so we have a Google number that we use that, you know, you can set up a, a voicemail. It rings through to your mobile phone. They'll transcribe your messages. So, you know, we get an email when somebody calls in and you can decide if uh, it's a hate mail or if it's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, somebody serious. Um, so we, we use a lot of that. Um, I try not to use my cell phone. We don't have a business cell phone. I mean, that would be one way to go to be set up a separate number. But uh, a lot of our clients have our mobile numbers. So if Mm -hmm. somebody's bought a property from us or done something, then for sure we will connect um, via cell phones. But yeah, just having a a real easy Google number. And we've had it since we started. Okay. I love it. I love how you've been slowly and steadily building your portfolio. And uh, it's not a quick sprint either is it you know it's it's a it's it's a long run it's not it can be i know people who have very quickly made a lot of money right they've they've uh focused on one area and they wholesalers right they they find a way or find a person that has a crap ton of land and uh and then they're able to kind of to yeah quickly turn it for cash but yeah i mean I, i think that most of the successful people that we know and that we interact with have have just been very steady progress uh, month over month. Nice. I see here some people are asking about um, default rates on your vacant land notes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, do you have? A, do you track that? How many people, what percentage of your notes default do you have to find a new buyer for? We do track it, yeah. And um, uh, it's low single digits, you know, less than 5%. And we... <laughs> We go pretty far to the extreme to try to work with people. So okay. if people get two, three months behind, we'll try to restructure their payment. I, I don't know. I'm I just, uh, it's hard for me to, to pull a piece of property away from somebody, especially the deeper they get into their, to their note payments. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we, we try to keep ours pretty low, but there are those instances where people just say, I can't do it. And we will also, um, one of the things we try to do is if they've, let's say they've paid $4,000 in on a property and they just have to walk away. We'll hold that four thousand for a year, and if they're able to come back in and reinvest in something, we'll kind of uh, promise to throw that back in. We've never had anybody take us up on that, Ooh, but that's a good um, idea. You know, it's it's just something because uh, it's hard. When I mean, I know people work hard for their 
for their money and yeah. um and their things but yeah we, we we have a low default rate and we don't necessarily look at it as bad it's bad for them it's good for us right so we've we've had properties that the buyer has paid our portion of the property right so they've paid the principal uh that we invested into the property and then we resell it so it's pure profit at that point <clears throat> so um, nice it's, it's a, people look at it as a bad thing and it is a hassle, but it's a, I mean, it's just a, it's more, you know, extra revenue coming out on the property. It's just sad to see somebody lose out on, on something and uh, yeah. people go through hard times. All right. Let's talk about multifamilies. Uh, yeah. what, what, what got you interested in multifamilies? Making too much money in land got us into multifamily. So, uh, you know, with, with increased revenue comes increased taxes and land uh, uh-huh. does not de- land does not depreciate so oh, we started looking for depreciable assets and we we um we decided on multifamily so we we were interested really in storage or multifamily and we couldn't decide and so we just picked one and we went into multifamily and so we've been passively investing uh some of our money and we've also been taking active roles which is more finding the deals and you get some sweat equity basically um as a way to do that and so um with 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 properties like multifamily or self storage or tangible buildings um the government allows you to take losses on what depreciates down from if you purchase something for $10 million, then you can depreciate it over time. And uh, you can take that uh, against your income. It varies, right? If you have a W-2 income, it's a little bit less that you can take versus we're real estate professionals. And currently it's unlimited that you can take off against uh, income. So we purely got into it for that. Although now it's a really nice uh, way to diversify our income stream. Mm-hmm. and um kind of not not rely solely on land but um yeah so that's good we're, we're we're kind of in a syndication model where uh essentially it's a pooling of investors so if if you're buying a property for 10 million dollars purchase price uh just like a house you have to put 20 percent down or whatever so you know you, you need to come up with two million dollars of cash and um and so you can pool across 10 or 15 different investors and um, everybody takes a, a percentage in there. So, yeah. Have you found that's been, that's a whole nother business, right? Do you, have you found that it's, it's getting hard to focus on one or the other or both? No, I mean, we, we, we have a pretty good balance between us. Ligia has really been focused on the land business um, since we've joined in multifamily and I've been ramping that up. Okay. And so we've, cool. we've been able to keep both, uh, pretty active. We're getting to a point where, uh, in fact, just, you know, this past month, we've been talking about exactly which tasks we would like to farm out to somebody, whether that's a VA or um, a part-time person or a full-time person, but we'll start to expand um, and build out a team. Uh, and there are some similarities across. I mean, it's it's real estate. And so, um, there are a lot of similarities, but yeah, I mean, it's a different animal. Um, yeah. And a a lot of a lot of complexities because of the cost and it's a commercial product and um there's uh securities exchange regulations that have to be met and uh like like you've mentioned about housing it's a super competitive market i mean there's mm-hmm. just uh, uh, a lot of people out there doing the same thing i know jack bosch good friend of mine and mm-hmm. he's been doing that a lot going still doing land but now also getting into multifamilies and making a lot of money but it's also a lot of work and have you found like, is it, 
you know, you've done a few deals now. Do you feel like it's better to be the active investor looking for the deals or to be the passive investor that's just lending money for the deals? Uh, generally, I would say it's great to be a passive investor and just put the money in. It's a lot of work. I mean, it, it really is. Um, like I said, we we kind of love real estate and this business and it's our full-time job. So we, we have the time, um, but it is a lot of work uh, and a lot of responsibility quite frankly, just, you know, you're dealing with millions of dollars uh, of assets. And, and so, you know, it really depends on the person, but largely I would say if you can passively invest and just reap the benefits, do it. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to ask you guys a couple more questions and then we have people that have typed in questions here and I'd like to throw them at you. Yeah, let's do it. Um, If you were to talk to yourself five years ago when you're just six years ago, when you're just getting started, (laughs) um, what would you tell yourself back then? Oh gosh. I would say for me, it would be patience. You know, I mean, I think at that moment we were uh, in a stressful time and it was hard to, uh, it was hard to not see results right away, but you know, they come in the end. So patience for me, is kind of a big one. Did you have uh, any fears or doubts that this wouldn't happen? Would you have told yourself, Hey, you know, stop worrying and just start making more offers? <laughs> We did. I mean, and we still do, honestly. I mean, it's, it's, it's part of being an entrepreneur, um, or or even just a human, honestly, uh, fears come with it. Uh, we, one way we, we immersed ourselves in land culture. So we, we, we signed up for groups. Um, we found mentors, uh, and, and we got coaching. And so we had, um, you know, people to help walk us through some of those fears, but yeah, I mean, that definitely is a, is a strong message for everybody. I think just to, to have some trust in the process and, and stay the course, uh, and, and kind of work through those things. I mean, uh, I think, you know, somebody kind of relates to the same similar question to somebody now who's listening to this and is like, man, I kind of interested in land. This might be something I want to do. What kind of advice would you give them? Well, I would say first step, educate, you know, find resources, whether it's um, a show like this. Uh, we, we listen to a ton of podcasts. We signed up for, you know, we, inv- we invested in education. We invested yeah. in a toolkit. We invested in coaching. Yeah. Um, we, we saw this as our full-time business. And so we said, as such, we should invest in, in getting that education. So that's, I mean, that's certainly the, I would say the first step, but then, you know, I I don't want to, there's, there's a magic in taking action as well. Right. So you can't just educate yourself. You have to couple that with taking action. Cool. All right. So do you mind if I ask you guys some questions? Yeah, let's fire away. Submitted in advance or submitted here in the Facebook. Okay. Um, Okay. This is a question from Aaron. If you had to start over and had no money, would you start with land investing? Uh, would you start with land investing? I would say yes, because the cost of entering in land investing model and business, it's, it's low. It can be Mm -hmm. as much as you want it. And, uh, it's really low, low risk. Yeah, I would agree. Definitely. There are in, in any real estate model, I would say there are ways to do it without money. Um, and this is where, uh, I think if you revisit, like, um, I don't know if it's rich dad, I think it's rich dad, poor dad that teaches this concept, right? Like just, you have to train, think and grow rich. Great book, right? I mean, mm-hmm. apply yourself, think and grow rich. You mentioned it earlier, Joe, like find a partner. There's people out there that want money. Well, if you're making, you know, agree to some split, I'll give you 50, 50 on the profits, or I'm putting my sweat equity in. I'll give you 30. I'll take 70, whatever. Right. I mean, there's, there's a way to do it, but land is a great 
it's a great vehicle, I would say, to quickly build wealth from a small uh, from a small or no amount, just because you can flip it and you can make, you know, quick cash. You can, you can do notes and build it out over time. So, yeah. um, it's, it's a good way. Good. All right. Another question here from Jay. Do you use flat fee MLS listings? Do you ever put your properties on the MLS with a flat fee? I would say, no, you're the marketing person. Um, we've used Zillow a lot, um, and actually had pretty good success with it, but yeah, we haven't done anything with the MLS. <clears throat> Speaking of Zillow, I was wondering the other day, uh, do you know anybody or have you ever done this where you put your vacant lot on Zillow property manager? You know, they have like, um, oh, it used to be cozy.co, I think, dot .co. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have a rental property, a house, you can put it on Zillow property manager and you pay them a fee, but then you can collect rent from your tenants. Have you ever thought about using that for your vacant land or do you know anybody who has? I don't know anybody. Uh, I, I'm familiar with the system um, from renting, but uh, yeah, that's an interesting concept in, in terms of notes. I don't know if they would embrace that or, or how that would work. Interesting. Yeah. I, don't know. I know some people do rent to own on their vacant land. So maybe that's yeah. a way around it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's essentially our model. We, we, um, uh, we, structure our promissory notes and our contracts such that, you know, we don't, um, transfer the deed until the notes are yeah. fully paid off. So yeah. it's kind of like a rent to own, but cool. And then related to that is a question from Aaron. Do you use a note service to do this or do you do it yourself? We talked about geek pay, G E E K geek mm -hmm. pay, right? Yeah. And then what's the other service that you use? You said you, you spread it out. Um, we have used QuickBooks, um, okay. a lot. So we use QuickBooks for our bookkeeping and, um, they have a feature that, uh, you know, you can set up, um, uh, recurring payments. Uh, it's a little less customized. GeekPay is for land investors, right? So you can structure, uh, note fees, taxes, um, late payments, um, and those types of things. So it's, it's a, it's a little more, um, friendly, but, um, yeah, I mean, quick pay quickbooks is is another way that we try to to balance the two when we have clients that we think it works better um with we've also used like uh if you like bank of america and chase they have this uh, payment app called zelle or whatever yeah. it's like a you know electronic transfer we've we've done that with clients before there's no uh the good thing there is like you save on your on your fees and your service mm -hmm. charges right so um we a lot of times we'll try to look for for things where we can avoid uh yeah. fees like that can with Zelle, can you set it where it does it automatically or do you have to manually do it every month? Uh, the, the payee, the payer has to, they can set it up automatically. I'm not sure that I can set it up to bill somebody, but oh. I, I think, you know, they just set up an automatic payment plan and it's transparent. And then we have, uh, we have a couple of clients that send us a paper check. Nice. So, cool. that's, yeah. <laughs> that's good. All right. So, any final things you guys want to talk about or say? Do you guys have a website people can reach you if they want more information about what you guys do? And yeah, we have um, our our multifamily website is DeatonEquityPartners.com. And let me let yeah. me write that down. Spell it again: D E A T O N. Yep, they can maybe can see it behind my head there, but Deaton Equity Partners. So D E A T O N E Q U I T Y Equity. Boom. Is that it? You got it. And then if you'll, um, you know, we have a landing page. So uh, backslash freedom. 
Okay. And we have a couple of resources there, like uh, kind of intro to land investing, intro to multifamily investing. We have our contact information if anybody wants to to reach out to us separately. Some things there. So that's a that's a good resource. And then our our um, our land investing website is just really selling land. So it's openplainsproperties.com. But there's openplainsproperties.com. But open plane. Is that okay to put that on here? You can. If somebody wants to buy a piece of land, we'll be happy to sell them. All right. Openplainsproperties.com. Um, they also have DeatonEquityPartners.com. And you have some free giveaways at DeatonEquitiesPartners.com slash freedom. Is that right? You got it. Nice. Cool. Well, I appreciate you guys being on the show and just sharing kind of what's working for you. And, um, you know, it's always a treat to hear from people that are actually in the business, doing the business and having success with it. So I really appreciate you guys, Mike and Legia Deaton. Thank you so much. Yeah, likewise. Thank you. This was fun. Thank you for having us on the show. All right, guys. Hey, listen, if you're not watching this on YouTube right now, go to my YouTube channel, subscribe, click that little like button and show some love. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you later. Thanks, guys. Take care.